0: Good morning. I hope up to this point you have heard the voice of God here today. Because I believe that God is speaking to us today. And my prayer and hope is that all of us will continue to hear God speak to us as we open up His Word this morning. So, Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning verses 13 through 26, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. God wants us as human beings to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That's one of the main reasons why God says, I want you to have a relationship with me, the God of the universe, because if you Hook up with me. If you have a personal relationship with me, your life will automatically become bigger than you. Because you're going to be in a relationship with the God of the universe, the ruler of the universe. But even as Christ followers, we can make choices throughout our life whether to live for something bigger than ourselves or to live for self. And that's why Paul is sharing the things that he does in this passage of scripture this morning, because he is sort of urging and exhorting the Galatian Christians to start thinking about living for something bigger than themselves and to stop living for themselves. So let's see what the Lord has to say this morning to us through this passage in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. The first thing I want us to notice is the explanation of life in the Spirit. If we could sort of boil it all down into what, what life in the Spirit, when I'm, when I'm living by the Spirit, when I'm walking in the Spirit, when I'm tracking with the Spirit of God, what in essence is my life going to look like? Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom or liberty, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh. But here it is, through love, serve one another. That's the essence of life in the Spirit. Through love, serve one another. Those five words. Paul says, look, we've been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son, Our sins have been forgiven. We now have a greater power in us and the power that is in the world. We have all these things. We've been set into a wide open space before the Lord. There is nothing that should have, you know, greater power or influence or authority in our lives other than God. And if it does, it's because we've relinquished it or we've allowed that to happen. And so Paul's saying to the Galatians, You realize that in Christ you are free, only don't use this new found freedom to indulge yourself. Don't use it as a license for sin. Use it as a motivation and an inspiration through love to serve one another, to selflessly and sacrificially serve one another. That is what it means to really be connected in the Spirit. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, Am I serving? Am I living the life of a servant? Am I waking up every day sort of putting on the servant's apron and presenting myself before the Lord and say, Lord, what, what do you have for me to do today in service for you? Because that's really what the word serve here means. That's the way it's defined. It's not a particular act of service. It means the willingness to give over the prerogative to be self-governing. That's what the word serve means. The willingness. So it's not something that I'm forced to do. God is looking for us to willingly. I willingly give over the prerogative to be self-governing. In other words... First, think of service this way. I present myself to God first before I ever serve anything or anyone else. I I check in with the commander-in-chief, if you will. I, I present myself to God and say, God, I'm yours. Now, what would you have for me today? That's where service starts. Service, again, is not from God's perspective necessarily this ministry or that ministry or whatever. It's whatever God wants it to be at that particular time. And I give over leadership of my life to God. I let the Spirit be the one in control leading me rather than me running the show of my own life myself. That's in essence what it means to live life in the Spirit of God. And that way then, Whatever the Spirit of God has for me that day, that week, that month, that year, then I make myself available to the Spirit to serve God in whatever capacity the Spirit is leading me to do. So that's where Paul starts. He says, that's what it is. If you and I want to know what really, if you boil it all down, is living life by the Spirit of God, it is through love, learning to serve God. One another. And let's remember we can't say, well, God, I, I don't have that kind of love. To be that selfless and sacrificial. Oh well, no, back to the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, we can't say as followers of Jesus Christ, I don't have that kind of love, that capacity, that ability to be able to love selflessly and sacrificially and supernaturally, to say no to self like I'm supposed to and to look out for others as much as I look out for myself. Because Jesus said, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, he must deny self, take up his cross and follow me. And it's through the love that the Holy Spirit brings into our life that we always have the capacity, the ability to be able to love like that. The question is not, God, I don't have that kind of love. The question is, we're not listening to the promptings and the persuasion of the Holy Spirit who always is living within us. We're not connected to Him. Because if we were, then we would be motivated through the love that we're connected to the Holy Spirit with to be able to look out and start serving others at all times. And to wake up every day saying, first and foremost, I am a saved child of God, and now I need to be a servant of God. God, what is it you want me to do? That's the explanation of life in the Spirit. And Paul goes on to say, but again, we're not expected to love And serve one another through love on our own, in our own power and strength. Because we couldn't. We couldn't. We can't. So Paul starts talking about the empowerment of life in the Spirit. Look at verse 16 of chapter 5. He says, but I say, live by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Notice verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. First of all, I'm going to work backwards. Notice in verse 24, Paul is, is using a great description what it means to be a Christian. Belonging to Christ. I love that. You belong to Christ. That's what a Christian is. And he says, because we belong to Christ and we have the Spirit of God in us, we now have a greater power within us and therefore we can say no at any time to our own human nature, to our flesh, and we always then have the power to say yes to God. Not in our own human nature, but through the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that now exists in us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Back up to verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit. Again, the Spirit won't force us to go in any direction. The Spirit is looking for us to willingly say, God, I want to go where you lead me. I want to follow, so lead me, Spirit. The word led here means to be influenced and to yield to the Spirit as I hear His voice or I sense His promptings and His persuasion within me. Are we allowing the Spirit to lead us? <laughs> you see. Because God promises, if you have the Spirit in you, oh, He'll lead you if you want to be led. But here's the thing. As a Christian, I can choose not to be led by the Spirit. I can hear the Spirit inside of me. I can, I can hear what He's prompting me to do or not do or what He's persuading me to do or not to do. But I can shut that voice off just like I can shut other voices off in my life that I don't want to hear. And so Paul says, are we being led by the spirit? If we are, then we will be empowered through love to serve one another. And then where I started verse 16. I say live by the Spirit. Another translation might say walk in or walk by the Spirit. It literally means stay in step with the Spirit. If the Spirit is leading me down this path, then I certainly don't want to go that path. I want to stay in step with the Spirit. And also is this beautiful picture, the word walk here or live in the Greek language, of of a slow, steady, yet sustainable pace. It doesn't say try to run and keep up with the Spirit, because the Spirit won't do that. Because the Spirit wants us to be able to keep up. So the Spirit's not going to rush ahead of us, but the Spirit's also not just going to sit there and wait and piddle and you know, just look around. No, the Spirit wants us to keep going, keep, keep making progress, keep working through things. So the Spirit's like, come on, Jeff, don't, don't, don't settle down there too long. Come on, let's, let's keep going. But it's a walk. It's one step after another so that it is, again, a very steady, sustainable pace that you and I can, if we're willing, keep up with. You see, the Bible's basically saying we can stay grounded as a a believer. We can stay grounded as a human being if we stay in step with the Spirit of God. Because we'll always be walking, planting our feet on solid ground that the Spirit is leading us to live by. And when you and I live by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, or stay step in step with the Spirit, when you and I are belonging to Christ, when you and I are led by the Spirit of God, yielding to Him, we will be empowered or enabled through love to serve one another. I cannot say, God, I I don't have that capacity. Because God will say, well, my Holy Spirit lives within you at all times. You absolutely have that capacity. You're just not connected to the Spirit enough or connected long enough for this change to begin to take place in your life. And here's why it's so important that we as Christians keep growing and keep maturing, and keep walking step in step with the Spirit. Because Paul wants to talk to us also here in this passage about the enmity of life in the Spirit. You see, there's a constant struggle that goes on with those of us who have the Spirit, but still have the old human nature, the flesh, there as well. And some Christians might go, why didn't God take our flesh away, our human nature away, when we became a Christian? because God wanted to teach us to totally rely and depend upon Him. And again, to be able to do it willingly, to be able to have the the sense of making that choice. I can either go my way or I can go God's way. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. You can either obey my voice and and you can eat from all these other trees and, and you can avail yourself of everything in the garden, or you can make the choice to go to that one tree that I told you not to go to, but the choice is up to you because I want to see, are you willing? But the struggle is always going to be there. So notice Paul points this out beginning in verse 16. He says, I say, live by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, which by the way means that as a Christian, I still have the capacity within me always to carry out whatever desire of the flesh it may be. And then he says this, verse 17, don't miss. For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh for these are in opposition to each other so that you cannot do what you want. Paul's saying, the flesh that still exists in me, the human, old human nature and the spirit of God that lives within me, they are mutually exclusive and they are always in a constant battle or a constant struggle with each other. If I yield to the Spirit, then I'm not going to have my flesh fulfilled. If I yield to the flesh, then I'm saying no to the Spirit, and and where the Spirit wants to take me and what the Spirit wants to do with me is is not going to be happening. You can't have, well, I can do part of the Spirit and part of the flesh. Paul says, no, they're absolutely mutually exclusive to each other, you see. So I have to get that. You see, there never comes a point in our Christian life. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how spiritual a person is. That struggle will be there until the day I die and go to be with Jesus. So you and I have to wrap our minds around that. Because somehow I think there's Christians that feel like I can get to a certain point where that struggle no longer exists. That simply goes against the teaching of Scripture. We will always be locked in a struggle between our old human nature, the flesh, and the spirit. And the only release from that is our own death or the rapture when Jesus comes to get us and take us back to be where he is. That's it. So... Then the question is, well, if I'm in this struggle, then I only have two choices. I can either surrender, which is what a lot of Christians do. You know what their attitude is? I just want out of the fight. (laughs) I just don't want to fight anymore. Well, the problem is you can take yourself out of the fight, but the fight never leaves you. And if you have that kind of attitude as a Christian, you've just surrendered to the flesh and said, flesh, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to do because I'm not going to fight it anymore. Or, as a Christian, you can say, knowing that this fight is always going to exist, that struggle is always going to exist, then I better grow stronger. And I better mature and I better be making progress as a Christian because the only way through the spirit, I will have the power to say no to my flesh. The only way every day I will wake up with the mentality that I've got a fight on my hands, I've got a battle on my hands every day of my life, and I need to be in a position spiritually where I am strong enough and healthy enough to say yes to God, yes to the spirit and no to my flesh. It's one of two choices. Because the Spirit's not going to leave us. We have him permanently all our lives until we go to be with Jesus. Or the flesh isn't going to leave us. So we either as a Christian just surrender to the flesh and give up and say, I don't want the fight anymore. Or we lock ourselves down and say, this is what it's going to take to be successful in the struggle. Because the empowerment's there. And the explanation of life in the Spirit is there. Through love, serve one another. But here's the thing, and this is why this all ties together. You know why a lot of Christians struggle with serving one another? Because they're surrendering so much to their own flesh, to what they want to do, that the thoughts of living for something bigger than themselves or living for others more than they live for themselves doesn't even sort of enter their mind. They don't even... What you and I, when we start to think about considering each other and taking each other into account, that see, that, that's, that doesn't even enter their mind. Let me give you an illustration. It's like driving on the highways around here. And you're driving around and you're going, does that person... Take into account anybody else is on the highway but them? No. And the sad thing is, many Christians live that way. Because again, why? They're not living by the Spirit. They're not being led by the Spirit. So every choice, every decision, everything, every it's all about them. And they don't even look beyond themselves. And God is saying, I not only saved you, So that you and I could have this loving, vibrant, deep relationship with each other. But so that you could be part of something bigger than yourself. Because I created you for something bigger than yourself. But the only way that we live for something bigger than ourselves is when we stop living for self and we start living for others. Through love serving one another. But make no mistake about it, Paul's not going to say that well, that road of living for others and living for something bigger than myself is going to come without opposition. No way. There's going to be challenges and opposition to living that way every day of my life because my flesh is going to scream, but but Jeff, make it about you and just live for you and just look out for you. Who else is looking out for you? Jeff, if you don't look out for you, who's going to look out for you? You take care of you, Jeff. My flesh screams that out every day. And I've got to go, no, no, no. <laughs> Holy Spirit, lead me here. Make me like my Savior Jesus, who said I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Make me make, make like Jesus, Spirit. Get rid of these thoughts, Lord, that don't align with you. And, and Spirit, give me, give me the proper way of looking at this so that through love I can serve one another. There's something else here I just want to touch on. Verse 18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are also not under the law, because the law and living by the Spirit is also mutually exclusive, just like living by the Spirit or living in the flesh is mutually exclusive. In other words, again, as a Christian, I have two choices. I can live by a set of rules and regulations that have nothing to do with the relationship with God. Or I can live by the Spirit in close relationship to Him. But I can't do both. So again, think of a Christian. It's not about a relationship with many many people. Their spirituality is all reduced to a set of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. And Paul's simply saying, when you are led by the Spirit... You won't live like that anymore because for you it's all about just walking step in step with the Spirit and developing this relationship with Him rather than having your list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations that you check off every day to live by. Because that's not the ultimate way of living. That's not living for something bigger than yourself. That's you and I trying to come up with our own you know, do's and don'ts and rules and regulations and, and the things that we... And, and God just says, just learn to walk with the Spirit. He'll he'll lead you down the right path every time. You won't have to worry about making a bad choice or not making the right choice if you just let the Spirit lead you. Then I want to talk for a few moments about the evidence of life in the Spirit. But before I do that, Paul lists here a couple, he has a couple lists in this passage of Scripture. So first, I want to share with you, and you can read it there for yourself, and this is not a total... ...doesn't wrap it all up. It's just a representative list. But in verses 19 and 20 and 21... ...the things that Paul lists here in these verses... ...are evidence of living for self. That's what it is. Living for self. If, if, if I want to what what's it mean to put self first... ...here it is. And again, this is an exhaustive list. This is just representative. Now the works of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish uh, rivalries, dissensions, factions, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things. Paul saying... All those things represent people who live for themselves. They take no consideration of anybody else or how it affects anybody else. It's all about them. That's evidence of living for self. But Paul also in this passage gives us evidence of living by the Spirit verses 22 and 23. He says, you want to know whether you're living by the Spirit or not? You want to know whether there's evidence of life in the Spirit in you every day? He says "Then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There's no law. Those are all good things. And each one of those... Manifests evidence of life in the Spirit. By the way, notice something very important. It's not fruits, plural of the Spirit. It is what? Fruit. Meaning, it's not like there's all of these, in whatever capacity they need to be evidenced or manifested, in whatever situation they need to be, they're all there. It's not like you pick a certain fruit out of the day. You know, well, my fruit for today is love. But forget joy, peace, and something all No, no. They're all there for every Christian at all times because they're all fruit of the Spirit. And I love the fact that that little word is, is there. Because that little word is, the fruit of the Spirit is, means they are continually there. They're always there. They are always to be there present in our life. And they are evidence of life in the Spirit, just like verses 19, 20, and 21 are evidences of living for self. See, verses 22 and 23 are evidence of living for something bigger than ourselves. And that's what God wants. And that's why he gave us the Spirit, so that we could be part of something much bigger than ourselves. Because if I live for self- I will have my reward, as Jesus says, and at the end of my life, all that will be there is whatever I build up, whatever little kingdom I build up for myself here on earth, which will pass away, and that's pretty much it. But if I live for something bigger than myself, if I become part of a local church like the Oasis... If I, through that church, learn to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit and through love serve one another, then all of a sudden I can be part of something much bigger than myself. myself. And the lives that I begin to impact and influence through my life and the life of my church can be so much bigger than anything I could ever do on my own. So God is inviting us all. Will you be part of what I have for you? One final thing, and to me this is the most important because it's about eternity, which is a lot longer than any of our earthly lives will be. Paul also talks here about the eternity of life in the Spirit. And he he, he talks about it negatively, but I also want to put a positive angle on it this morning as well. Because notice at the end of verse 21, He says to the Galatian Christians, and by the way, this is very important because some people interpret verse 21 as Paul now is talking to unbelievers. No, he's not. He's talking to Christians and he's saying, I am warning you brothers and sisters, because that's who he's, he's addressing here in the context. Verse, Go back up to verse 13. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to Christians, and he says in verse 21, I am warning you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things, the things that he lists in 19, 20, and 21, the things that are evidences of living for self rather than living for something bigger than myself, he says, if you live for such things and you practice such things in your life, even as a Christian, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say you won't be in the kingdom. He doesn't say you will lose your salvation. He's talking here about our inheritance and the inheritance in the kingdom of God, my friends is speaking about our reward. Those coveted roles and responsibilities that are rewarded to God's faithful servants. So Paul is saying this to Christians. He's saying, make no mistake about it. There are consequences to the way we live our Christian life. And there are eternal consequences. It's not that we won't get to heaven It's not that we won't be in the kingdom, but Paul is saying, do you want to simply as a Christian be a resident of the kingdom of God, or do you want to rule and reign with Jesus Christ? Because there are many Christians that primarily choose to live for themselves and not by the Spirit, who will be residences of the kingdom, but they will not be part of inheriting the kingdom and ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. And this is clearly taught in the word of God. And let me say this. There are many Christians that I have met who say, well, Jeff, I'm just satisfied just to be a resident. I don't care about all that reward stuff and what I'm going to be doing throughout eternity. If you have that kind of response... You are not being led by the Holy Spirit at that moment. You are not walking in the Spirit. Because part of walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is having the attitude of, I don't want to just be a resident of the kingdom. I want to rule and reign with God. I I want God to be able to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And Jesus Christ is not going to say that to every Christian. Read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Jesus says in that parable, please listen to what Jesus says. Before you maybe turn there, write it down later. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will now put you in charge over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And Jesus does that twice. To those who were faithful in the few things that God gave them. Notice Jesus says, I'm now going to put you in charge of many things. I'm going to give you a role and responsibility in the kingdom that is commensurate with your faithfulness on earth because it is your reward. It is your inheritance. And you're not simply going to be a resident of my kingdom. You're going to rule and reign beside me. You're going to have a role and responsibility throughout eternity that is significant because you were faithful, because you live by the Spirit, because you live for something bigger than yourself. But there's also the one who came to Jesus and had nothing to offer because they primarily lived for themselves rather than for something bigger than themselves. And Jesus says at that moment, take what I gave him away from him and give it to one that used it. And again, it's not that they don't come into the kingdom. But they have no inheritance. No inheritance. Folks, God wants to give us the kingdom. Let me say it this way it's not that we ask God for too much. Please hear what I'm saying. It's not that we ask God for too much. It's that most of the time we settle for too little. God wants to give us the kingdom. And we want a new car. God wants to give us the kingdom. And we want a house. God wants to give us the kingdom. And we want a promotion at work. In other words, all that we want from God are all these earthly, temporary Things that, I mean, not that they're not nice, but God wants to give so much more to us than what we settle for. Because we settle many times, even as Christians, for things that the world can give us. Or for things that somehow we, by our own hands, can cook up ourselves. And God says, I want to give you more than that. I want to give you what only I can give you. What only one of my children can experience through the Spirit. Won't you let me give you the kingdom? And so often, whether we're conscious of it or not, we say to God, Oh God, I'm I'm satisfied with what I got. I really don't want the kingdom. I just want these little paltry crumbs that the world can give me over here. How tragic. How sad. And we not only can do that individually, but here's the burden of my heart. We can also do that as local churches. See, God can say to us, a community of believers, I want to give you the kingdom. I I want to use you like you could never imagine. I want you to be a lighthouse for me. Like you can't even imagine. And many churches have said, no, God, I... Um, We're comfortable right here. Don't bother giving us the kingdom. We just want this. And you know what the Bible says. Those churches, their light has been turned off by God. They still exist. Physically, there's still a church there. There's still walls there. There's still people coming. There's still preaching going on. They're singing. They're having a good old time on Sunday. But God's presence is not truly being manifested in that place anymore. Because God's Spirit has been, basically His voice has been shut off. And they, as a corporate community of believers, have basically said, God, we're satisfied with what we've got and what we're doing right here. We we don't want your kingdom. Read the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation. That's what Jesus warns all those seven representative churches about. He says... You're, you were a candlestick, but your candlestick, your light has gone out. You've left your first love. You're, you're still going through the motions. But where's the kingdom in all of it? Where's my kingdom in all of it? Is it all about all of us building our own little kingdom? Or is it about will, knowing that God wants to give us His kingdom. Are we living for something bigger than ourselves? Are we opening up our arms and our hands and saying, God, fill me up with you and your kingdom. And help me to stop grabbing for the crumbs that the world is offering me. Again, I leave you with this. The problem is not that we ask God for too much. The problem most of the time is we settle for too little. Could we stand, please? I believe with all my heart that God is speaking to us as a church today and us as individuals today. And all of us here we have that choice in the spirit of either living for ourselves or living for something bigger than ourselves. And I'm asking all of us, including myself here today, to do a heart check and to say, what is my life about? Am I truly seeing the spirit in my life? The evidence of him every day, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, All of those fruit of the Spirit. Am I truly waking up every day and through love, serving others, rather than making it always about me? Because that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And God, when we are in tune with your Spirit, your Spirit makes us very well aware about eternity every day. That it's not just about this brief earthly life. It's about living for eternity and living with eternity in mind every day. And God, when your spirit is in control of our life, it's not just about being a resident in the kingdom. It's about inheriting the kingdom. It's about wanting to hear from the words or from the lips of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a few things and you were faithful. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Is that truly what we want to hear from our Lord one day? God, I pray that we want more from you than what we settle for. Help us, God, to not settle for what the world or what we can or others can offer us. Help us only to live for what you can pour into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.